welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It is a very military style, Navy style specific, accurate, and very sharp and presentable. It's episode 87. I'm your co-host, Mike Marsons, and as always, the one man who's truly buttoned up is my special and regular co-host and guest, Mr. Mark Pearson Freeland. Good morning. Good morning, Mr. Parsons. Uh, standing to attention, I am in front of the mic and I'm getting ready for a rip-roaring but very regimented episode. How are you feeling about today's episode? I couldn't agree more and what a perfect way to end our three-part series on habit design, habit formation, the very essence of being the very best we can be. Where shall we go today? Who shall we study, Mark, to get more inspiration on having the very best habits? Today, like you say, we are closing off the current trilogy on habit formations. And who better to salute us as we as we march off into the distance than Admiral William H. McRaven, a former head of the U.S. Special Operations Command from the U.S. in the Navy. He did some unbelievable accomplishments. He was in the Navy for over 36 years, and he's pretty well known for, for a particular closing speech, which we're definitely going to be digging into today. But his book, which is a bestseller, is called Make Your Bed, Little Things That Can Change Your Life. And for us, this has been what we've been delving into over the past week, isn't it, Mike? It is, and what a perfect companion to an author, to an academic, that we go to uh, one group of individuals who put it on the line. I mean, it is never so black and white than as it is for those who are Navy SEALs, special operations. Uh, we get to hear from a man who is a four-star admirable. He's had 36 years uh, in the military and the lessons he has to share in this very famous speech are so crisp. They're so on point and they come from a different place, don't they, Mark? Um, there's something uh, visceral about the lessons he has to teach us. He didn't do a big study. He's not been at uh, a professor at a university. Um, he comes with a wealth of practical, hands-on experience in the highest stakes game in the world that is being in the military. It is truly a great episode coming up. What are you looking forward to, Mark, when we get into somebody who, by the way, has a seriously cool name? I mean, William <laughs> H. McRaven. I mean, that is a four-star name. I mean, that is amazing. It really is, Admiral McRaven. I, uh, I'm really, really looking forward to getting into his unique approach. You know, like you say, um, we've had a number of different innovators uh, over the past uh, 86 episodes, and particularly in the habit formation series that we're just closing off now, we've had James Clear, who's you know this academic who's come along with a lot of data and research. You've had Charles Duhigg, who's a journalist, and again comes at it with his own unique take. And then you've got William H. McGraven, who, as you point out, it feels a little bit, dare I say, more practical. Uh, possibly even more relatable, I suppose, because it's yeah. removed from that data and the science. And instead it's, you know, it's like a bucket of cold water. 
Uh, it, it, is, it is. <laughs> it's so true, man. It's so true. And it's so powerful because you can feel the intensity of, you know, defending his country for 36 years. You can just feel it in his voice. So I'm going to suggest that we get straight to the voice of William H. McRaven because he has the power to take those 36 years to bring all of those lessons, all of the valleys he's been through, the mountains he's climbed through, all of the hardship and the rough seas, his wisdom starts with this one single idea. And this idea is make your bed to start every day. Every morning in SEAL training, my instructors, who at the time were all Vietnam veterans, would show up in my barracks room, and the first thing they'd do was inspect my bed. If you did it right, the corners would be square, the covers would be pulled tight, the pillow centered just under the headboard, and the extra blanket folded neatly at the foot of the rack. It was a simple task, mundane at best, but every morning we were required to make our bed to perfection. It seemed a little ridiculous at the time, particularly in light of the fact that we were aspiring to be real warriors, tough, battle-hardened SEALs. But the wisdom of this simple act has been proven to me many times over. If you make your bed every morning, you will have accomplished the first task of the day. It will give you a small sense of pride, and it will encourage you to do another task, and another, and another. And by the end of the day, that one task completed will have turned into many tasks completed. Making your bed will also reinforce the fact that the little things in life matter. If you can't do the little things right, you'll never be able to do the big things right. And if by chance you have a miserable day, you will come home to a bed that is made, <laughs> that you made. And a made bed gives you encouragement that tomorrow will be better. So if you want to change the world, start off by making your bed. There we go, straight out of the, uh, straight out for the races. This is a relatable story that we can all, you know, relate to and imagine. I mean, it's taken, uh, it's obviously inspired the name of his book, Make Your Bed, Little Things That Can Change Your Life. And you know, the book itself has been, uh, you, know, you know, celebrated over the years as, as life lessons and ways to change the world from his own experiences. And for me, when I hear uh, all of the clips, but particularly this opener, I'm thinking, hey, I could totally do that. I can do, mm. that's, it's such a small thing that takes me no time at all in the morning. And I know that when I come home and I see the bed and it's already made, I just think, ha, huh. I don't know, there is a relaxation to it, isn't there? <laughs> <laughs> there is, but, but I, he made such a good point. If you can't get the small things right, how are you going to get the big things right? I mean, to me, that's really powerful. I, I think in its most pragmatic sense, the fact that, the first thing you said about in the day, you get it done. I, as he was talking, like I really relate to that sense of momentum. Like I have this every morning, I have a certain urgency to start getting things done because I, I'm always conscious that it's all about getting going quick, uh, getting things off to a racing start, and nothing frustrates me more when I feel on a day that I want to get a lot done and you kind of get to 10.30 and you're like, oh, my gosh, I just feel like I haven't got anything done. 
I hate that feeling. So I just love that he's challenging us and just first thing, make your bed, get it done. I mean, it's almost like the day is off to a cracking start as soon as you do that. Yeah, there's there's a pleasure that comes with ticking things off your to-do list, isn't there? Right. I mean, we've totally. it's it's a really um, productive way to I think begin your day when you go through those those um, those moments. I mean, I think uh, it was Duhigg who was telling us that forty to forty five percent of our day is habitual, and the behaviors that you do each day are, are actually part of a habit that you've created, um, and what better way to begin your day, as, as Admiral McRaven is telling us, than to stick to that habit of just making your bed? Yeah. Create really, that foundation. Yeah. Really essential advice. And I think it just, you know, get out of the blocks early, get things going. That is just the first of many pieces of wisdom that we've taken from this one speech uh, from William H. McRaven. And you can find it on uh, YouTube or you can grab the book as well on Amazon. If you're liking some of this advice so far, then you better get ready because we've got two big clusters of advice. One is really the power that William H. McRaven gives us to go into the moment where it's a choice between continuing or quitting. And he's got a lot to give, a lot of advice, a lot of wisdom for us so we can learn from him so we can do things just that bit better. And secondly, this is a long game um, and you've got to stay the course. And he's got a lot of great advice for us as we entertain the idea of doing something that is meaningful, fulfilling, maybe having an impact on the world. William H. McGraven has got so much advice and it's all coming up in this show. But I think we've got one ask of all of you, our listeners, Uh, We have been so fortunate that you've all been so generous in jumping into your app stores um, and, you know, rating the show, reviewing the show. Our big ask of you today is don't stop. Um, When you give us a rating or a review, um, this is really essential to new listeners discovering the show. And all that we ask is that you, if you're on a train, on a plane, on a car, if you're just sitting at home, if you could please jump into your podcast listening app of choice, be it Spotify, uh, be it Stitcher, be it uh, iTunes, please jump in there, give us a rating and a review. It is so helpful in new people discovering the show And boy, Mark, people all around the world are discovering our little show that learns out loud. Who do we welcome to the family today? Uh, This week, we welcomed in the fantastic locations of Canada, as well as Nepal. Hello, everybody around the world. Thank you so much for listening. It's amazing when we not only see us appearing in the charts around the world, but it inspires us to, to, you know, get up in the morning, make our beds, doesn't it, Mike? You know, yeah, it does. knowing that we've got listeners in Canada and Nepal, as well as many, many other countries around the world, you know, that, that inspires me um, to, to get up and go. Fantastic. And uh, we love it when you reach out to us and, and share feedback. Uh, what's in the official Moonshots mailbox, Mark? Yeah, we had a couple of great contacts this week. I want to give a special shout out to two individuals, 
Leanne Khan from the USA, thank you very much for getting in touch and uh, sending us a quick email to say to thanks. And I'm pleased that you're uh, one of our listeners, as well as Richie Creighton from the UK. Nearly a, uh, a good handle. Uh, I think Creighton is probably uh, a good, um, not quite as well as Beef Bouillon, but Creighton still pretty strong, I'd say, right, Mike? <laughs> I think I think so. It's easily a dragon on wheels. So um, once again, the Moonshots members have the the most outrageous uh, usernames and user handles. So well done, and thank you to all of you uh, for reaching out to us. And just a reminder: jump in that app store, hit the stars, leave us a, a message in the review. We love your feedback, and it's really important for the show. But I'll tell you what else is important, Mark. And that is not to be afraid of circuses. And you might be thinking, what on earth does that have to do with a four-star Navy Admiral? Well, if you just listen, we can enjoy this wisdom from none other than William H. McRaven. Every day during training, you were challenged with multiple physical events, long runs, long swims, obstacle courses, hours of calisthenics, something designed to test your mettle. Every event had standards, times you had to meet. If you failed to meet those times, those standards, your name was posted on a list. And at the end of the day, those on the list were invited to a circus. A circus was two hours of additional calisthenics designed to wear you down, to break your spirit, to force you to quit. No one wanted a circus. A circus meant that for that day, you didn't measure up. A circus meant more fatigue, and more fatigue meant that the following day would be more difficult and more circuses were likely. But at some time during SEAL training, everyone, everyone made the circus list. But an interesting, an interesting thing happened to those who were constantly on the list. Over time, those students who did two hours of extra calisthenics got stronger and stronger. The pain of the circuses built inner strength and physical resiliency. Life is filled with circuses. You will fail. You will likely fail often. It will be painful. It will be discouraging. At times, it will test you to your very core. But if you, don't, if you want to change the world, don't be afraid of the circuses. Oh, so good. So much, so much strength coming from that, isn't it? You know, it's, it's a great um, example of the way that William H. McRaven can bring to life these lessons that, you know, we've discussed in the past, Mike, but applying it into this very strenuous, difficult, physical mm. activity that, that, you know, McRaven, as well as uh, those around him in, in the, the Navy have obviously experienced. I mean, for me, it will be painful, you will fail, is... You know, that, that it's, it's kind of like a, a positive mantra, but the other way around, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it reminds me, Mark, of what Joe Rogan said, which is embrace the discomfort. Exactly. Like you've got to, it feels good when you earn it, right? When things don't happen this way, they don't feel good. But I think where McRaven goes is these things actually make you stronger. And I'll tell you my big secret, Mark, is whenever I'm in the face of adversity, I try to remember that when I'm facing a challenge, you know, and often for me it comes in the form of just workload, right? And 
there are times where you get these peaks of work. And I'm sure everyone listening knows they've had that moment. There's a big presentation, a big report, going live with a new product, whatever it is. And there are moments where you're just like, oh, this is killing this work, the things that I'm sacrificing. And, you know, I find it so powerful, this advice, to not be afraid of those moments because what I've learned doing this show is all of these great people have found a way not only to survive in adversity and challenge, but to thrive. And what he is pointing out here is McRaven is saying those that went to the circus routine, i.e. two hours of extra calisthenics in the Navy SEALs, they got stronger. They got fitter. And if we can all say to ourselves, and it's such a great mindset moment, if we can say to ourselves, it's hurting, but it's making me stronger, this, this really brings to life the adage, if it doesn't kill you, it only makes you stronger. <laughs> exactly. But this is, for me, this is the power of this advice. Embrace this discomfort. It's making you stronger. You don't need to be afraid of the circus. I mean, what comes to your mind, Mark? Well, what comes to my mind, and uh, just to build on what you're saying, Mike, is, is how I believe William H. McRaven is a worthy addition to the the habit series that we that we're closing for me it's it is this mindset so all of us will struggle or find a challenge in our day-to-day life whether it's um working out or whether it's uh, workload or whether it's um you know face-to-face interactions with i don't know patients or whatever it might be all of our listeners i'm sure are in huge varied um sectors and businesses but all of us you know, at one point in our days, we'll come into that challenge. And I think where William H. McRaven really, really builds on some of the work that we've seen already in this series is it is this mindset. And if you can train your mind to embrace those challenges, you know, similar to where Joe Rogan was taking us, as you say, if we can almost change our habit instead of reacting negatively towards challenges and pain, yeah. and instead yeah. we think, okay, I'm going to run towards this. I'm going to use it as an opportunity for growth. That's an amazing habit mm. to to cultivate, right? I think. Yes, I think- and it, it it's it's not easy. No. It takes a lot of practice, a lot of practice. But I I will tell you what I truly believe McRaven is pointing out for us here is that if we remove that fear of the circus, if we do what Joe Rogan says is embrace the discomfort. Because we know, and this was also great in the Zaha Hadid show that we did right back in the early days. She was literally, all the challenges she faced as an immigrant female architect in the 60s and 70s in London, she just said every obstacle that she jumped over made her stronger and better. If we can do it just like all of those people, we then have a very powerful moment because we're not afraid and then the power that we have is to choose how we want to respond in those moments. And this is the unlocking of McRaven right here. Don't be afraid of the moment and when you're there, he talks about it, don't back down from the sharks. So let's 
listen to William H. McGraven right now telling us, inspiring us on how we should think and how we should respond when we come face-to-face with the Sharks. During the land warfare phase of training, the students are flown out to San Clemente Island, which lies off the coast of San Diego. The waters off San Clemente are a breeding ground for the great white sharks. To pass SEAL training, there are a series of long swims that must be completed. One is the night swim. Before the swim, the instructors joyfully brief the students on all the species of sharks that inhabit the waters off San Clemente. They assure you, however, that no student has ever been eaten by a shark, at least not that they can remember. But you are also taught that if a shark begins to circle your position, stand your ground. Do not swim away. Do not act afraid. And if a shark, hungry for a midnight snack, darts towards you, then summons up all your strength and punch him in the snout, and he will turn and swim away. There are a lot of sharks in the world. If you hope to complete the swim, you will have to deal with them. So if you want to change the world, don't back down from the sharks. Expect challenges along the way. Expect sharks when you swim. You know, this is, if we look back at all of the innovators, also, you know, Zaha, as you've already mentioned, they've all encountered these sharks or difficulties in one form or another. And, Mm. you know, Again, McRaven's bringing it to life in a really vivid visual story, which I love here. And, you know, again, it's, it's totally relatable in a funny sort of way because this ownership of knowing and expecting those challenges and taking ownership of how you're going to react to those challenges is, is exactly what we've discussed with a number of our other innovators, isn't it? Mm. Mm. The, yeah, there's this whole thing. And what's, what I hope we're starting to reveal as we work through this is that there is a powerful mindset, which is embrace the discomfort. Don't be afraid of the circuses. When the sharks come, stare them in the eyes. And, and that's something, you know, we've talked about a lot, like attack the uncertainty, attack what causes you concern, fear, or anxiety. Don't pretend it's not there because it, that doesn't, that doesn't solve anything, address it. And I think that um, there's another dimension to this, which is if you're doing something that's really in line with your purpose, we've talked a lot about this uh, of recent times, not only in this series, but of, of course, Simon Sinek, you know, aligning your actions with your purpose. I think that when you have done the hard work, and this was something um, this idea of calmness, of being ready. This was something that Michael Jordan was the best at because he had put in the work, because he was ready. I mean, he literally said he he rarely played a game as hard as he trained. So the games felt easy because nobody trained as hard as he did or for as long, first to training, last to leave. So what happens is as this mindset grows, what McRaven is teaching us is that once you get over the fear and you embrace the discomfort, you don't need to back down or run away from your uh, sharks, if you will, but you can be present. And the key behavior, the key positive behavior 
in order to be the best version of yourself is when the you-know-what hits the fan, don't freak out. In fact, the story that McRaven has for us is what you should do when the darkness comes. So let's have a listen now to William H. McRaven. As Navy SEALs, one of our jobs is to conduct underwater attacks against enemy shipping. We practice this technique ex extensively during training. The ship attack mission is where a pair of SEAL divers is dropped off outside an enemy harbor and then swims well over two miles underwater using nothing but a depth gauge and a compass to get to the target. During the entire swim, even well below the surface, there is some light that comes through. It is comforting to know that there is open water above you. But as you approach the ship, which is tied to a pier, the light begins to fade. The steel structure of the ship blocks the moonlight. It blocks the surrounding street lamps. It blocks all ambient light. To be successful in your mission, you have to swim under the ship and find the keel, the center line, and the deepest part of the ship. This is your objective. But the keel is also the darkest part of the ship, where you cannot see your hand in front of your face, where the noise from the ship's machinery is deafening, and where it gets to be easily disoriented, and you can fail. Every SEAL knows that under the keel, at that darkest moment of the mission, is a time when you need to be calm, when you must be calm, when you must be composed, when all your tactical skills, your physical power, and your inner strength must be brought to bear. If you want to change the world, you must be your very best in the darkest moments. Mm. When those <laughs> comforts start disappearing, I mean, even the comfort of seeing street lights or lamps, whatever it might be, that are illuminating through that water, you know, in that moment, that's a comfort. We've all got comforts around us in our work, our home life. But, you know, when things get really difficult, and I'm sure, Mike, you'll agree, when things get really difficult, you feel like those comforts do sort of slip past you, don't they? You, you forget about them and you feel like you're out there alone, you're under the water, you've swum two miles, and now you're looking for that keel in order to be successful in your project, or your product, yeah. or whatever it might be. And this concept of remaining calm you know, I, I, it brings back Wim Hof to me. You know, yes. he, was, he was training us and telling us that when you're in these moments of, you know, being pushed to your limit, that's an opportunity to grow. So similar in our previous clip, we were talking about how you can grow through discomfort and so on. But this idea of remaining calm, no matter how cold the water is, no matter how stressful that situation is, that for me is, is a wonderful idea and I think similar to what you were saying in the previous clip, being present and focusing on getting through that moment, I think is is one of the ways to get through it, isn't it? So in a difficult project, remembering what's around you, remembering to be present and address it as it happens to you. Yeah. So so when you want to be calm in the eye of the storm or in the darkness, what do you do, Mike? Like have you got any uh triggers that you try to um, look for and then, uh, you know, try and change your behaviours in order to deal with any given situation? Yeah, I, I think I'm still working on it. But I think 
the things that work best for me currently are two, twofold. One is quite physical and the other one's quite mental. So a little bit more of a mindset, I suppose. The first one to try and level out any anxiety or stress that I'm feeling in a, in a situation. I mean, admittedly, I can't say that I've swum underneath a, a Navy ship in the absolute pitch black before. <laughs> but mm-hmm. if I was in that situation, you know, breathing, you know, taking that deep breath. We've heard a lot about this through some of our, our innovators already, but that idea of breathing, it really does help level oh, yeah. me out personally. I couldn't agree more with breath. Like it is like such a healing force, isn't it? it? Healing force is exactly what it feels like actually. And when you do take that breath in and a slow release, you suddenly feel a little bit more present, mm-hmm. a little bit more like you can, you know, allow your body to go towards that discomfort, to go towards that challenge. And then the other side for me is, is mental. So I'm working on, uh, on this right now, but what I'm trying to do is uh, compartmentalize things a little bit better and think if I'm very, very stressed right now, I'll try and think of something a little bit more positive. I'll try mm. and think of something that maybe I'm thankful for or something that I appreciate, whether it's something somebody else has done for me or whether it's something I've seen or heard, whatever it might be. Um, those for me are what I'm working on at the moment to deal with these sort of challenges and, and so on. Well, what about mm. you, Mike? What comes to mind when you hear William H. McRaven telling us, you know, how to be your best self? Well, definitely calmness comes through breath. Like that's a, that's a default. I would say as a, a close second is lots and lots of exercise. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you are in a moment where you're searching for calm, combine breath with walking outside, that's a pretty, pretty great start to the, to the reduction of, of anxiety and stress. I think that a little tactic I like is writing down the things that are causing me anxiety and then write down what the core problem is, then identify what it is that's causing me the stress and write a list of uh, next steps or solutions and then start ticking off the pursuit of those and do it in a very focused way. And where I, I like I, I try to get to uh, is a place where I, I can say, I know what it is that is causing me stress. Here are the th- here's the core problem. Here are the potential solutions. I've followed up on those and I try and get to a place where I can say the affirmation, I've done everything within my power for now to address this problem. Mm. And that last bit's quite interesting. I love the idea of writing it down and creating context, you know, Mm. knowing what it is, is such a good step in order to break it down. Yeah. Like like name the enemy, like call the enemy out, right? Attack it. Like, don't be like, oh, I'm really freaked out about this thing. Write it down explicitly and look it in the eyes and say, okay, what am I going to do? Well, look, what am I going to do about it? It reminds me again of, of 
you know, Michael Jordan, he would practice, practice, practice. So then when he gets into the game, oh, he's got everything covered. And, you know, he was calling out practice being the key to removing anxiety. And I believe anxiety comes from the fear of the unknown. Well, what am I going to wake up to? What are, what, how's this project going to go down? What are customers going to think of what we're creating? And only when you start breaking it down, and, you know, in that last case, when you break it down and actually show a customer, get their feedback, it removes that anxiety and it gives you that absolute validation that you know what you're doing is right. You know that your approach to this problem is correct because you've written it down, you've broken it down. And like you say, you've written out potential solutions and how you're going to action them, those next steps. And then when it happens, or when you wake up the next day, you've made your bed, obviously. <laughs> That's first uh, mm-hmm. task number one. You can go after it. And you've taken that ownership to go and address it yourself. You've done that practice, as MJ would say. And you're, you're ready. You're ready for the game. I, th- I think that's such a good uh, tip, actually, writing it down. Yeah, and then acknowledging. And I think this is, um, if you've got an active mind, if you acknowledge as part of like you've time boxed an hour, you've done what you can in pursuing the solutions to a given uh, challenge that's causing you stress, being able to resolutely and and being really present and just saying, I've done everything I can for now. And sometimes you even need to kind of say it out loud, like to acknowledge there is actually no, no value in thinking and worrying about this and, and trying to create a ritual of boxing it all up. So you can say, okay, it's done. I'm going to move on to something else. Now, of course, that transition will be a bit like that. But I really think being able to say, look, I've done everything I can now. I mean, I can worry and not sleep and feel restless and distracted, or I can put it in a box. I've done everything I can. I'll pick it up tomorrow when I hear more. In the meantime, I'll do something valuable with my time. Mm. I think that transition is super powerful and it's amazing. I mean, I look at the adversity that McRaven is explaining these Navy SEALs go through and I'm thinking I am such a wimp (laughs) compared to these guys. I don't know adversity. These guys know adversity. But one thing is for sure is he is inviting us to lean in and embrace the discomfort. And when we're there, look it straight in the eyes and remain Calm, and this is such a great launch pad for us. If we want to go out and achieve things in life, we want to go out and build things. This is really, really important. But we've got a ton more coming because you've got to stay in the game. And William H. McRaven, author of the outstanding book, Make Your Bed The Little Things That Can Change Your Life and Maybe the World. We've got so much more to come. But, Mark, before we storm off into a story of resilience, of longevity and staying the course, there's probably a lot of people that are very interested in this habit series. Where should they go for more information? Yes, if you want to hear more about Mike and I talking about a habit formation, recognizing things that you might want to change, you can go and listen to our episodes on James Clear as well as Charles Duhigg over at moonshots.io. 
as well as your podcasting app of choice, Spotify, iTunes, Overcast, and so on. If you navigate to moonshots.io, though, you're going to find transcriptions, you're going to find show notes. We've got a number of interesting additional links in a lot of our episode pages, uh, key moments such as uh, the Culture Deck with Reed Hastings, which was one of the innovators in the media innovation series we did a couple of months ago. You can go and listen to all 86 of our episodes at moonshots.io, and I thoroughly recommend you go and check it out. (laughs) Indeed. And uh, if you are enjoying this show, or the Habit series, or all 87 episodes of the Moonshots podcast, we do encourage you to leave a rating or a review in your app, uh, your podcasting app of choice, because this helps new listeners come along on this adventure of learning from innovators and sharing it. And what I love is just getting all of this feedback from all of you, our listeners, Um, And it helps us chart a course to pick the people, the men and women who inspire us and who we can learn so much from. But talking about learning a lot, William H. McGraven has learned a lot in his 36 years in the Navy, and we've still got a bunch more to come. Mark, where do we turn to now? What is next on the list from William H. McRaven? Well, we've heard William H. McRaven tell us about the discomfort. He's talked about how we can't be afraid of of things that are challenging real uh, hardships. We shouldn't back down from uh, the sharks who might circle us in those dark moments. And when it gets really, really dark, we've got to stay calm. But all of this uh, direction towards discomfort all starts with the mind. And what William H. McRaven is telling us is resilience is up to us. Resilience is your choice. And what's fantastic about this next uh, lesson and story that William H. McRaven is going to tell us is no matter how dark it can be, staying positive is a guiding light. So now we're going to hear from William H. McRaven tell us to start singing no matter what you're up to your neck in. The ninth week of training is referred to as Hell Week. It is six days of no sleep, constant physical and mental harassment, and one special day at the Mud Flats. The Mud Flats are an area between San Diego and Tijuana where the water runs off and creates the Tijuana Sloughs, a swampy patch of terrain where the mud will engulf you. It is on Wednesday of Hell Week that you paddle down in the mud flats and spend the next 15 hours trying to survive this freezing cold, the howling wind, and the incessant pressure to quit from the instructors. As the sun began to set that Wednesday evening, my training class, having committed some egregious infraction of the rules, was ordered into the mud. The mud consumed each man till there was nothing visible but our heads. The instructors told us We could leave the mud if only five men would quit. Only five men, just five men, and we could get out of the oppressive cold. Looking around the mud flat, it was apparent that some students were about to give up. It was still over eight hours till the sun came up. Eight more hours of bone-chilling cold. The chattering teeth and the shivering moans of the trainees were so loud, it was hard to hear anything. And then one voice began to echo through the night. One voice raised in song. The song was terribly out of tune. 
but sung with great enthusiasm. One voice became two, and two became three, and before long, everyone in the class was singing. The instructors threatened us with more time in the mud if we kept up the singing, but the singing persisted. And somehow the mud seemed a little warmer, and the wind a little tamer, and the dawn not so far away. If I have learned anything in my time traveling the world, it is the power of hope. The power of one person, a Washington, a Lincoln, King, Mandela, and even a young girl from Pakistan, Malala. One person can change the world by giving people hope. So if you want to change the world, start singing when you're up to your neck in mud. Oh, just the thought of being buried in that mud, it is just, oh, you just think to yourself, oh my gosh. But I think, I think isn't it fascinating what we can take from, from that clip is you can be stuck in the mud with your head down or you can choose to sing like those Navy SEALs did. Um, and the mud is, the, you know, physically it's still the same mud, but it feels a little different, right, because you made a choice. And I think so much of what McRaven is uh, sharing and teaching us is that it is a choice, but you really need to work on it so that when you're in the mud, you have the courage and the resilience to make that choice. What do you think, Marky? When you're in the mud, that choice choice to, to sing, even though you're up to your neck in it, it's not always easy, is it? No, no. And I actually, I, I, quite like to, I, I quite like to build on just what you said, actually, because when I hear that clip from McRaven, I'm thinking, wow, what a, what a, spontaneous thing to do what an amazing reaction to being quite literally up to your neck in mud freezing cold mm. mud in something that all of us it's probably a bit of a nightmare if you think about it you know that claustrophobia uh, that struggling to breathe when your body's being pressed um, I can imagine that being one of the most unpleasant things uh, any navy uh, seal has, has probably gone through but mm. actually interestingly what what you said was it takes uh, maybe practice. It takes the courage to not only make the decision in the moment, but actually you almost have to work towards it. And when you step back for a second, obviously McRaven's team who are around him, they're going through training together. They're going through mm. this practice. And what I like about giving the clip that lens is we, we don't necessarily need to sit on our hands until a challenge like this occurs. You can practice this mindset, this approach to hardship, to challenges um, every day. Whenever you struggle with a, with a potential problem or, or challenge, you, know, you don't have to literally be up to your neck in order to practice that mindset. And I think you're totally right. We can practice that positivity, that hope day to day. So a question for you, Mike, how, mm. do, you, how do you practice uh, staying positive um, driving this, this power of hope, this power of one that, that McRaven's doing. What's your, what's your secret day-to-day -day around positivity? Oh, there's so much in this, isn't there, Mark? Well, <laughs> let, let, let me just uh, throw some, some different thoughts out. The first thing that comes to mind is um, knowing that hardship is part of the course. Like, do you remember mm. Wim Hof was saying, um, we, we live too cozy a lives, 
Um, he's saying that here we are in our air-conditioned houses and at the tap of a button we can all but order Uber Eats, right? There's no hunting and gathering happening anymore. And actually we are designed uh, to have these peaks in these valleys. Why is intermittent fasting taken off? Because genetically our bodies have been built for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years to have times of feast and famine. So hardship is actually a natural occurrence. And if you are prepared to acknowledge and to recognize this in its fullest form, then you can say, well, it's just like working out. Well, today I'm going to try and run a personal best or today I'm going to do more push-ups than I did yesterday. Whatever it is, I think it is knowing that hardship is a natural part of life. I think this is at the very heart of it. And building on everything that McRaven has shared with us up until now, when you're in the mud, you know it's making you stronger. You just have to, you know, stare down the shark, be calm. And I think it's it's those moments when you know you're in this moment of great effort, maybe great challenge, maybe even there is a healthy level of anxiety and uncertainty. If you can just smile and know that you can choose, as those cadets did, you can choose to sing or you can be doom and gloom. It is literally a choice that every time you push yourself, you learn to smile. So one of the things is I have this hill that I run up and I try and smile every time I go up the hill and breathe in and just know that I'm running a whole bunch, lots and lots of times during the week and that it's making me stronger, fitter and healthier and ready to go out and do something in the world. I mean, these are the thoughts that come to mind when I'm stuck in the mud, when I'm, uh, you know, got heaps and heaps of work and I have to work really long days, day after day after day after day across lots of different things. I know that it's making me better. I know that this is what I choose to do. So just smile, just embrace it and remind yourself that it's something that really matters. Mm, I totally, totally concur. That pushing yourself to smile, I think that's that's wonderful. I can imagine you running around Summerhill, uh, <laughs> climbing the mountains, <laughs> smiling away. I think that's that's fantastic. I love that. And you're right, there's, there's also a, I think, a gleefulness that comes when you have overcome that, that hill or that challenge, isn't there? You know, if you and I are doing a particular project and then we get over a certain deliverable or maybe we actually finish the project, who knows, whatever it might be, there's a, a habit that I think we're starting to do, which is take a moment to celebrate. And I think that's, you know, equally as important. I think there's a, a, an element that you can sort of embrace the hardship and smile while you're doing it and then take a moment once you get there to think back and say, oh, you know what, that's how we reacted. We dug in deep, we put our, our, our shoulders to the grindstone and we got it done. We can look back with pride that we didn't freak out while we were in the sand, in the mud. Instead, we reacted. In a, in a positive way, and mm. we got through it. How much stronger can we be? And I, mm. I think that's a really nice 
reminder for all of us. You know, there's it a, is. not only can we, you know, celebrate once you've got through it on the weekend or whatever it might be, but also when you're in that moment to, you know, almost smile, at least internally, if not externally, and think, hey, this is a good opportunity. This is my body yes. or my being being pushed. This is something I yeah. can celebrate. Yeah. And it's a muscle that needs regular exercise. Um, you know, singing when you're stuck in the mud, smiling when you're running up the hill. Um, and um, I think this is a reminder that this idea that there can be a healthy stretch in life, uh, don't get too comfy, always be pushing yourself um, and you will become the very best you can be. But this is not for everyone. And uh, sometimes there is a huge temptation to pull the ripcord, to hit the ejector seat, or as William H. McRaven is about to tell us, sometimes it's tempting to ring the bell. Finally, in SEAL training, there's a bell, a brass bell that hangs in the center of the compound for all the students to see. All you have to do to quit, all you have to do to quit is ring the bell. Ring the bell and you no longer have to wake up at five o'clock. Ring the bell and you no longer have to be in the freezing cold swims. Ring the bell and you no longer have to do the runs, the obstacle course, the PT, and you no longer have to endure the hardships of training. All you have to do is ring the bell to get out. If you want to change the world, don't ever, ever ring the bell. Don't give up. Don't ring the bell. For me, um, this is building a little bit on what we were saying in the previous clip. And, and I, I think this concept of resilience is, is totally coming through in that clip too. To expect and accept challenges. Expect the sharks. Expect the moments of darkness. Expect uh, anxieties and stress. But then accept that it's your choice in how you respond to it. Accept that your ability to be aware to things that are coming down the line and to accept that healthy level of anxiety, as you say, are both in your control. And I think that's very much coming through in that clip for me. Yes, they're within your control. And I think the conditioner he's put on this is, look, if you're really trying to get something, I, I think... What this makes me look for is like, what's my bell, mm. right? Um, and don't ring it. <laughs> um, so it's almost like this inverting. I mean, a lot of what he says is very inspirational, but it's also what I take from this is like, maybe the exercise here is like, there might be a temptation for me to ring a bell. Let's say it's uh, quit this project, stop going to this training, uh, whatever it is. Maybe it's, there's a power in this to name what that bell is so that you go, I am never going to ring that bell. When I say I'm not giving up, that means I am always going to training on a Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever that bell is, I find that quite powerful as well to like to call out the enemy of success here and say, I'm never going there. I am never going there. Uh, that, you've got me. That's great. What, a, what an amazing build on, on right? Raven's thing. I mean, it, again, yeah. it goes back to your, your comment around writing down um, the challenges that you identify. Mm-hmm. You know, once mm-hmm. you've a, a, written down your anxiety, whatever it is, 
the challenge that you've got on the table. You can break it down. You can think about next steps. But actually, again, thinking about what it is, that's your bell. That's what's mm. going to be tempting to, to quit, to ring and, and, you know, get rid of it and, and, and remove it from your, your life. And once you've identified it, yeah, you're right. Suddenly you can see it coming and you know how to expect. You've practiced this already because you've written yeah. it down. Oh, I love it's that. Like, it's, it's, it's like almost dry January. You know, you name your enemy. I'm not going to have a drink mm-hmm. the whole of January. Just remove it. And you know that, that you're not going to ring that bell, right? Mm, exactly. Oh, that's a that's that's a good bit of homework. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. It just opens up a world of like, oh, I love that. Yeah, what am I? What are those bells that I don't want to ring? You know. Yeah. Okay, so listen, we we've been on a rip roaring tour through William H. McRaven, um, but uh, we've left his most uh, emphatic thoughts until the end. Um, I hope by now that you're sensing that we need to embrace the discomfort and we need to stay the course. But if we haven't quite convinced you yet, we're going to leave that job to the man himself, the four-star admiral, the 36-year military service hero of capturing Osama bin Laden. I mean, this guy has done it all. And he gave one speech that has inspired the world. It inspired the book. It's had millions and millions of views on YouTube. And I think it would only be appropriate for the man himself, William H. McRaven, to close out the show with this very last clip. Let's have a listen now to his final words of wisdom. To the class of 2014, you are moments away from graduating, moments away from beginning your journey through life, moments away from starting to change the world for the better. It will not be easy, but you are the class of 2014, the class that can affect the lives of 800 million people in the next century. Start each day with a task completed. Find someone to help you through life. Respect everyone. Know that life is not fair and that you will fail often. But if you take some risks, Step up when the times are the toughest. Face down the bullies. Lift up the downtrodden and never, ever give up. If you do these things, the next generation and the generations that follow will live in a world far better than the one we have today. And what started here will indeed have changed the world for the better. Oh, oh, what a way to end the show. Admiral McRaven telling us and inspiring us that we can all make a change and make the world better. No matter what your world is, whether it's family, career, uh, maybe Elon Musk is listening and he's, you know, thinking genuinely about the world itself. I mean, who knows? But for me, it's such a great culmination of a lot of the lessons that we've learned today, but also a lot of the other ones that we didn't get to in the show. You know, the ideas of, of, of being together and so on. And for me, this concept of never giving up, it just keeps on coming up with our innovators, doesn't it, Mike? It, it does. And, and, you know, even Gaga, she said way back in one of our first shows, be relentless, you know. I love this idea of being uh, relentless in the face of challenge because, you know, th- for me personally, I look at where I'm at my best is when I don't give up. 
And if I reflect on the times where I have not been my best in life, I go back to school, I go back to all sorts of moments in my life. When have I let myself down? It's when I gave up. So this story for me personally is so powerful and hopefully uh, you, Mark, and all of our listeners can find some inner power from this idea, this fortitude that McRaven gives us because if we can just stay the course, we can truly achieve great things and it really does come down to this mindset, are you going to keep going or are you going to ring the bell, as McRaven would say? It's pretty turbocharged stuff, isn't it, Mo? Yep, totally turbocharged, but a fantastic uh, trilogy of, of habit formations, identifications, and, and next steps. I think James Clear, Charles Duhigg, and William H. McRaven, I mean, what a lot of lessons. <laughs> mm. What a, a combination. And look, Mark, let's be honest, we haven't stopped here. We've got a ton a ton more coming down uh, the pipe. And I think what is so great is that we've got these um, habits um, that we can embody, but the next series is going to be on the very famous author, Nicholas Taleb. And you probably know him mostly for either the black swan or anti-fragile. And these uh, mental models are, look, they, it's a different change of pace uh, to the habit, uh, the gentleman uh, that brought us to habits, but we will complement the habit series with just some of the most powerful mental models that you can see the world through. So as you're resilient, as you're staying the course, you'll be able to see the world from these different perspectives, thanks to Nicholas Taleb. So, wow. There's a lot to come over the coming months on the Moonshots podcast. And I can't wait to get started. So once again, if you want to hear some of our uh, previous 86 episodes, pop along to moonshots.io for transcriptions, show notes, all sorts of mantras and inspiration. And also leave us a review. Help us Mm. uh, be discovered in some amazing more countries around the world. And don't hesitate. Um, to get in touch with us at moon, uh, hello at moonshots.io or via one of our social channels. We are always listening um, and we thank you, our listeners, for listening to us. So there you have it. We have completed the habit series. We have done James Clear, Mr. Charles Duhigg, and now William H. McRaven. What a series worth listening to time and time again because deep inside of that was the power of what we think to affect what we do. So I hope you, Mark, and all of our audience have really enjoyed the challenge of facing up to discomfort, to embracing the discomfort, and to showing and mustering and finding deep inside of us the resilience it takes to be on a mission that's going to not only prove the best of yourself, but to have a positive effect on all of those around you. So thank you once again. This has been a wonderful journey into the world of resilience, a world of positive habits. I hope you've enjoyed it. And that's a wrap of the Moonshots podcast.